Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 35 of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week features an interview with intuitive life transformation coach, Lexi Koch. Before we get to the show, a few notes. If you'd like to follow along with this episode, you can head over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Lexi, and I'll link up there to all of the, the things that we talk about and share a little bit more detail there as well. If you like what you hear and you want to subscribe, you can find Jumpstart Your Joy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So just search for Jumpstart Your Joy, and thank you for subscribing and leaving a favorable review. Two great announcements for this week. I'm busy, busy working on Jumpstart Your Podcast, which will be a podcasting class that will be available for purchase through the multi-passionate must-have bundle package, which will be launching on May 17th. That's going to be this very cool bundle that Michelle Ward and Emily Wapnick curate each year. And it's usually a bundle of products that would cost about $1,200 if you went out and purchased them or if you could even go purchase them on your own, and you get them for just 97 bucks if you buy them between May 17th and 19th. So a lot of these things are exclusive just to the sale, like mine will be for the time being. So if you want to start a podcast and you want to work through a guide on your own, consider buying it in that bundle on May 17th, and you'll hear more about how to do that in the next week or so. I've also just re-released my free Finding Balance e-course and if you're looking for ways to find more balance in your life or more harmony with all of the things that you have going on just head over to jumpstartyourjoy.com and look on the top navigation under tools you'll find a link there and you can just enroll it's totally free as a past guest follow-up this is kind of a new item on the podcast on this last Sunday, I saw Danny Wood of New Kids on the Block in San Jose. He was doing his solo wood tour for his album, Look at Me, and I got to go see him. And so if you want to see photos of me and Danny, you can find that on Instagram, where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. And I'll put a link as well, of course, on the website. It was a lot of fun, and we got to hear him sing a song and... Uh, Give him a hug for being on the show. Thanks, Danny. For today's interview with Lexi, I'm so excited about this one. We talk about her early joy in being a horseback rider and then her love of farming and eventually how she found her way through social work and farming and starting a thriving nonprofit, how she found her way to life coaching. Um, I just love the practices that she shares during this episode, her vulnerability around so many aspects of her life, including being a mother who discovers that her very perfect son is diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at about two and a half weeks old. So it's a really sweet and tender conversation, and Lexi has so many awesome ideas to share. So without further ado, I bring to you the interview with Lexi Koch. Welcome to the show, Lexi. Thank you so much, Paula, for having me. Glad to be here. 
Yeah, me too. It's, I'm so excited you're here. To kick it off, would you like to tell us about what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your early sparks of joy? Yes. So riding horses what mm. is definitely the, the spark of joy of my childhood. I sometimes kind of walk myself back through driving out to the farm and getting out of the car and, and walking through and, and saying hello to everybody and smelling all the tack and getting to go get my horse and brush him off. And just the experience that I got to connect on that level with animals and with nature as a child, it just, it was very different than the rest of my life. And mm. it was very much more who I really was. And so I, I just feel very lucky that that spark found me, you know, when mm. I was young. How long did you get to experience that as part of your oh, childhood? Yeah, quite a long time. I think I started when I was in second grade and I rode all the way up until I got my driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that is wonderful. Yeah, I I was a camp counselor at for summer camp, and we had horses there. And there is something I love that you said the smell of the tack. Like, there's something about the smell of the leather, mm -hmm. and just that whole experience of being in the barn is it is it's transformational in a way. Yes, it is. And so now you are an intuitive life transformation coach, <laughs> and you own your your own flower farm. What has the path been like to get to both of those? Oh, yes. Well, it has been quite the journey. I, I started out in Maryland and I live now in the very middle of Washington State. So far from where I came, I studied social work in college and that felt very connected to me. And then after that, I wanted to learn how to farm and how to be connected to the earth and how to provide for myself and how to provide for others in a, in a very, very basic sense. and. I found a farm that let me become an intern. And soon after that, I, I found myself managing the farm. And at that time, we were growing 27 acres of mixed veggies, and we were distilling herbs to make essential oils. And I just got really wrapped up in that lifestyle. And one thing led to the next, and I, I just kept farming. I kept wanting to grow food for people and wanting to grow medicine for people and getting offered more and more opportunities. And, and then I realized it, within all of that, what I also wanted to do was to empower young people to, to have this connection way before they got into their 20s, where I, when I started, I was like, wait, so how do I use this shovel efficiently? And I, and I didn't like that feeling. You know, I wanted to know how to use my body in a way that like made sense to be a person on this earth and not mm -hmm. just like sitting at a desk all the time. And so a friend of mine and I started a school garden and we went pretty big with it. And it's now 12 years old, but it's a nonprofit. It's a thriving nonprofit and it's a half acre garden on the public school campus here where I live. And the students K through 12 all participate and they learn science and math and, you know, culinary arts, all different subjects. And they also grow 3000 pounds of food for their cafeteria Wow! in their garden. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was running my own farm with my husband. I was mm -hmm. running this nonprofit and we also built our own home. Literally we built it. Wow. <laughs> it's the house I'm sitting in right now. And I was doing all of that because I wanted to, but I was also doing all of that because I was trying to prove that I was capable. 
I was trying to prove my worth. I was trying to be enough. I, I felt so awkward as this like privileged white girl. I felt that I needed to somehow continue to prove that I was worthy. And it led to all of that, which I am completely thankful for. And I wouldn't trade it. However, it did take me into some major, major extreme burnout. So that's, that's a little bit of the backstory there. Yeah. Yeah. I love there's so, there's so many juicy parts right there, right? Like about just following your heart and and creating so much. It's beautiful. Kind of, I see it as a dance of you figuring out kind of who you are in relationship to the earth, both in what you do and where you live. Like the whole thing is just, it's beautiful. I was going to say just the physical beauty is one of the things that kept me going. I got to be outside, you know, all day, every day. So I knew exactly like where the sun would be in the sky or, or like when the wind came, you know, from that direction, just how it felt and, and what it meant and, you know, where to hunker out of it and, and just getting to connect on that level with plants and how they grew and what their needs were and just the absolute and utter beauty that they bring to life, you know, is it's very motivating all of that to keep going. Isn't that so interesting? Because I've definitely had times in my life, it's usually when I'm going through a transformation inside that I, I go into my garden. Like right now, mm. that thing is going crazy because it's, it's where <laughs> I do my thinking and where mm. I feel connected in a way that I don't feel other places. I, and I get the sense you and I might be very similar in that fashion. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, all along that way, I would say that I was, I was deeply searching for myself. And, and I think what ended up happening is that I was looking to the external things. You know, I, in that time, I also became a yoga teacher and I actually, I taught yoga to raving fans. I mean, just people were in love with what I was doing because I was searching so hard for myself that I brought those teachings to class. You know, we weren't just doing asanas. We were like diving into our souls and we were trying, we were coming out better people. You know, we were trying to bring just how we could be our best selves into our, our daily lives. And so the, the whole way through, that was just this underlying thread. And it was because, yeah, I was doing all this great work, right? I was like, you know, I was providing food. I was educating children. I was teaching yoga, but there was still just this kind of running, low lying, low grade chronic angst that I just couldn't get my finger on. You know, I just couldn't, it was just always there. And I just thought, okay, I'll go to this healer and I'll go to this naturopath and, you know, I'll study this and that. And that is ultimately what led me to where I am now into into the coaching field. And there's a couple other parts to the story there too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so did you realize that it was a longing for a different kind of connection with people or what was the path like to, to go from that place of feeling the angst and feeling so kind of overwhelmed or whatever to then Mm -hmm. becoming or the nudge maybe was there like a universe nudge to go (laughs) figure this part out, Lexi, or what was it like? So what it was like is that I had a beautiful, beautiful, perfect child, Mm. a boy. And at one week old, we were told that he might have cystic fibrosis, which is a life-threatening, incurable genetic disease. Mm. And at that point, I was pretty scared. And a week later, when we got like the official, you know, the first one could have been a false positive, but when we got the very official we had you know, had to drive him five hours over the mountains at two weeks old to find out what was going on. And, and when they, they said, yes, your child has cystic fibrosis, 
and it everything cracked. You know, it was the bottom fell out. There was no, there was nothing left I could hide behind. I fell all the way to the very bottom of a place that a person can fall out of pain and sadness and grief and my, you know, longing to be the best that I could and to control life, right? Like, I'm going to grow all these mm-hmm. plants and I'm going to try and control them, you know, and <laughs> just try and, you know, build this house and control, you know, exactly what I live in and how and just to be capable, you know, and I just was like, how, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Like, there's, there's nothing here I know how to do. Not only do I not know how to be a mom yet, but how do I love somebody who they just told me has a life expectancy? Yeah. And how do I love him perfectly, you know, so, and make that go away? Like, how can I get that to go away? And so I just fell. I fell so, so hard. And it made me be able to put that, my finger on that, that mm. kind of thing to do. It made me search for every tool that I could find and, and I and I like to say that I actually the fall was horrendous. I would never wish it on anybody, but I landed in a really soft bed of tools. Mm. And those are the tools of the coaching work that I do now. Yeah, I mean I have to share it. I have yeah. to share it because it works. Yeah, and it's sending you so much love about all of that because yeah, it's becoming a mother is a very it's a it's a very different thing than I think anyone ever expects. Like <laughs> you think you could be prepared, but there's that the moment of meeting a baby that is not at all the same as what you could think. And then yeah, I can I cannot imagine the fall that you're that yeah. you that you that you're speaking of and that one would go through in that, in learning that news. Um, what kinds of tools would you say that you learned or would you like to share something about that time that is a learning for you that maybe would help someone listening if they've, if they've found themselves in the place of motherhood that they didn't necessarily to be ex- as they expected? You know, for me, it took... It took a while, you know, Mm -hmm. it took a while to sort out what was, what was what, what was happening, you know, what, what was my stuff that I was carrying in from the past? Mm -hmm. What was just pure emotion from, from the pain of, of what the truth was, you know, this being handed this diagnosis and what was hormones? You know, Mm -hmm. I think honestly, I think a lot of it was hormones in the moment of just being postpartum and, and then having this very stressful event happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, of course, I would say just run to support, you know, yeah. get as much support as you possibly can. And then if there's any part of you, even if it's the smallest part that can believe that it will change, that it's not going to always feel this way. And I know, you know, people told me that for sure. Like, you know, it's, it's not always going to be this hard. And, and it takes going through the very hard times and coming out of them and then going into them again and then coming out of them again to believe it. Yeah. But every yeah. last one of us has done it. You know, every last one of us has to do it at some time. Like everyone is going to have those, those moments where it just seems like the ground has, has fallen out. And, 
when we come to them with awareness, I think, then they get shorter. I don't, I don't actually know, you know, if they get easier. I think they, they get easier in some way, but it's like the pain lasts for less time. Yeah. <laughs> Cause now I still, you know, I still have hard times, obviously like, like the rest of us, but I have so much experience knowing that, okay, hard times come and hard times go and good times come and good times go. Yeah. And there's something I'll use the word magical, not in, not lightly, but there's something really magical about what you said about the belief that things will change. Things will get better. And kind of the belief for me, when I was similarly in a very difficult space after the birth of my son it was that belief that then at least let me cling to something long enough that I didn't feel stuck in the spiral of fear and despair or or whatever it was that was trying to get me (laughs) pull me down yeah Yeah. I don't I don't know if you want to talk about any more about that that nudge of belief that you knew like there's if I hold on if I keep working this will get better or whatever it looked like for you because I think that's the that's a super interesting moment for people when they feel stuck? Well, you know, all of the most wise, most generous, most kind people that I know have gotten to that point. Mm -hmm. And whatever got them through is kind of the thing that they now share with the world. It's the, like their pillar of strength. It's their grit, you know? And it was like feeling myself build that grit And in a different way than, you know, working out under the sun for 12 hours a day in a way of, I'm going to somehow use this for the betterment of the planet. And I've always been here to be helpful on this planet. I've always known that. And I could just kind of have that feeling of, wow, the deeper I dive, the more I know, the more I know I'm going to be able to help other people. And so that's what got me through, you know, that's what kept me motivated to keep searching and to keep using different tools and to, and to keep learning and to use the tools like as deeply as I possibly could to really understand them in and out and, and to probe and work on myself Mm -hmm. while also knowing that I was developing something that could help my family, you know, could help my community, could help my clients could help eventually help the world. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, my when we first were in that waiting period between the like, this might be a false positive and, and the actual diagnosis, my brother called me and he said, Lex, I want you to know, even if it's positive, it's going to be positive. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, screw you. Like, it's not, po- there's nothing positive but it really stuck with me. It hit me. It really hit me in my heart, you know, and I, and I tried to figure out how, how is that true? But then I kept seeing it be true. I kept feeling myself healing in different ways. And I kept seeing how I was kind of undoing patterns that I feel like were in me, like since the day I was born, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it was, you know, and, and I don't, you know, we still have cystic fibrosis every single day. My son is four now. And if I could take it away, I would, you know, without even having to ever think. But I, I feel like I really did embody that, you know, even if it's positive, it's going to be positive. Yeah. And it's hard in those moments when somebody says something like that, that is, it makes our heart ache, you know, like it, yeah. it, 
there's a sweetness to it that even when you just said it now, honestly brings tears to my eyes because there's such a love from a brother to a sister. But it's also so hard when that's in the moment, that isn't something that you probably, I'm guessing, could believe fully. Exactly. Um, I just wanted him to tell me there's no way it's going to be positive. But it was true what he said. Yeah. 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 And in a way that seems like a gift from him, from the universe to have that person say that. How beautiful. And what a, what a loving brother. (laughs) Well, it was his belief in me that I was going to somehow figure out a way to make it positive. Yeah. And that ties back into the support piece that you mentioned as well in going through any kind of a hard time is I think Mm -hmm. sometimes the tendency is at least for me, I mean, I'll speak from my own perspective. Some of it was that I, I didn't, Maybe I'm trying to think what what it was. Did I not want people to see me? Did I not want to admit what was happening? Did I not want to be totally transparent with how hard it was or expectations of, you know, what the week after having a baby would look like? Like, I don't know what any of it was, but it was so important to have people around me and let the people in, even though that was that took courage in its own way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're so right that then you also start to learn more about yourself and about connection when you can be courageous enough to let the people, (laughs) let them in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that's, you know, as I, I work with more and more people and I kind of study, I study people, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the hardest things to do, especially as women is to a know what our needs are and be, be comfortable meeting them or expressing them or sharing them and letting other people into them and help us with them. And so especially in that very vulnerable time, it's hard to even sort out what are my needs, you know, right now. I'm, I'm a different person than I was a week ago. And I didn't even necessarily know what my needs were then. There mm-hmm. is such a courageous act in being vulnerable. You know, they say that we are all most drawn to people who make themselves vulnerable. It's something that's just, it kind of like, oh, it's like, ah, okay, I can be, I can be real. I can be myself around you. You're making yourself vulnerable, but we're also all most scared of being vulnerable. And so the act of actually asking for what we need, it's a vulnerable act, but it's one that every single time that we do it and it, and it could be the smallest thing, you know, like literally the smallest thing, like, you know, would you mind grabbing me a napkin? So I don't have to get up right now, like mm-hmm. at the dinner table. Yeah. Every time that we do it, 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 it's like if we have an account, you know, like a, a bank account, but it's actually a, an account, a personal wellness account. Every mm-hmm. act of it, it's like adding to our account and we're, we're fortifying ourselves every time we allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to admit what our needs are. And so when I say run towards support, <laughs> I mean run towards support, like find who is willing to hear those needs and let them be known and know that not only will you get your needs met, but you're also filling up your own account of wellness. So well put. And, and it, is, it is probably one of the hardest things, especially if you're in the midst of a hard time to then give in, not give in. I don't mean that that way, but like to listen to vulnerability and what it needs or yeah. listen to your deeper self and know what it needs. Yeah. That's, it is a hard and brave thing to do. Mm -hmm. How did that help focus what you knew your, you know, your larger purpose was, I guess, as a a way of asking that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, 
you know, going back to studying social work in college, I, I've always, I'm that friend who, you know, like we, we see each other and like the, you know, if you ask me how I am, like I tell you the truth and then I'll tell you exactly why I am the way I am because I, I do make myself vulnerable. I actually like being vulnerable with, with people. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't know how very well to have surface conversations. I know how to have deep conversations very well. Mm. And I knew that when I was in my time of despair, you know, my therapist and my coach became that source of just like, oh, you know, I feel comforted. I feel safe. I feel seen. I feel heard. And those are the gifts that I want to be giving on a daily basis to others. And I knew also that as I, the more I studied and study, that I would be continuing to work and learn on myself. And with every one of those opportunities, it would allow me to work and help and connect with others. It just, it was one of those things, like I just knew what to do. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I just kept going in the direction of, of finding these tools. And now I just feel so utterly blessed that I get to share them with others. Yeah. And it's so funny because it's interesting what happens when you start to follow that vein of like, this feels right. This feels natural. This feels like something I'm supposed to be doing. And, and then the doors that oftentimes just fling themselves open or the interesting connections, the universe sends your way. Like, I love that stuff too. Like, And it's so interesting to be in that zone. I mean, I'll say in some ways, podcasting is that way for me because it's just things happen. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cool. (laughs) I wouldn't have imagined this. This is cool. Yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about some of those interesting synchronicities that happen or some of the tools that you now use or that you've drawn from to teach others. Well, I find that (laughs) my clients generally need the same stuff as me, like and also that a lot of them will be on the on the same page kind of at this around the same time so we're kind of all in this you know mm-hmm. i i will like pick up a, a meditation that's like really doing it for me and then i find that like wow that would, that's the perfect thing for some other people right now too and it's it's cool to see how universal we all all are how we we kind of move in cycles mm-hmm. with each other and it it helps me feel less alone. And I know it helps others feel less alone. We all have like, at some level, these common experiences. And, you know, to, to give a specific example, I, one of the, the tools that has come to me in a very healing way, you know, that's kind of changed me from the inside out is the act of really tuning in and allowing my sensations. So what I mean by that is, I'll, I'll be very specific. When I have anxiety, my feet tingle. <laughs> mm. And I've always hated it, right? Like, oh God, I know what that means. And it's just like this adversarial relationship with my tingling feet. Mm-hmm. And so the second it would start, I would put up this big wall and be like, try to get away from that and, you know, try to stop that and not, and then have all these thoughts about what that meant, stories about what that meant. And And then, you know, through the course of learning, I figured out, well, there's actually some part of me that does not have words and its only voice 
is the sensations in my body. And so what if I tried to listen to what those sensations have to say instead of trying to get away from them the second I feel them? What if they're actually here for a reason and that reason isn't scary because I just decided that it was scary? Mm. And so the process of allowing, you know, right when the sensation happens, actually going to it instead of trying to get away from it, you can kind of layer that on anything. It can be a hard emotion. It can be, you know, a recurring, you know, just uncomfortable feeling just in general. It can be recurring thoughts, you know, instead of trying to get away from them, we go to them. We go yeah. toward the discomfort. And, and especially in the case of sensations, realizing that those are the voice from somewhere within us that's the only way they have to speak to us. And they're trying, it's trying to get our attention. And oftentimes those are wounds, you know, old wounds that we haven't really given space to yet. And I think as soon as they have our attention, they're just like, oh, I don't need to keep trying so hard to get your attention. And suddenly so many things clear. And so mm. learning that on myself and then being able to share that with my clients, you know, I can see, I mean, I see the transformations in my clients and it's, it's radical, you know, from one week to the next of just how quickly they're just like, you know, my whole life is changing mm. and, you know, it's not just that tool, of course, but yeah. <laughs> that's one, that's one example. Yeah. Yeah. I see that being so powerful because it, I mean, it really is a total shift in thinking, right? Because if it's, what sometimes I get a weird headache and as you're saying that I could think of it being like oh well maybe it's actually telling me I need to get some more sleep and then instead of me being like bothered that I need either by the headache or by the fact that I go to bed really late like I could see it being oh well this is just my body saying it needs something and I can meet the need instead <laughs> of it being completely irritated by you know me being irritated by all the other pieces of it like absolutely <laughs> It seems liberating to know that, hey, this is just a, a love note in another way and not something yes. that like I need to just fix or ignore or, yeah. Right. And like outsource the answer somewhere out there, but yeah. the answer actually right, is right in the headache itself. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that that's transformational in and of itself. I'm so glad you shared <laughs> that. What is your area of focus around coaching become? I work with women who also are here on this planet to be helpful, to be of service. And many of those women end up feeling really overwhelmed, really spread thin, and are either heading toward our, or are experiencing burnout. And together, we look at what the burnout and the being spread too thin and feeling overwhelmed is really trying to say. Like, again, what that if, if that those feelings were trying to get their attention, they would probably be saying, what about trying presence and what about trying connection and what about trying creativity? Like it doesn't need to be this way. And so we really work together so that they have walk away with a profound new knowing of themselves so that they can still be of service of, in this world, still be helpful in this world, but not be doing it from a place where they're, you know, just trying to prove their self-worth and trying to prove how capable they are and trying to prove that they're enough of this or enough of that, but actually doing it from a place of where they keep themselves on the list, you know, where they're just as much of a priority as everybody else. And they're not just spending their whole lives thinking one step ahead to everybody else and what 
everybody else might need and want and expect of them, but coming into themselves enough and grounding into themselves enough to all to value what they need and want and love and you know deserve from themselves. Yeah, because really that sense of having to prove ourselves is so prevalent. And it's almost unstated that somehow is it that we believe, I mean, many of us believe that we're not good enough or that we don't deserve the good stuff, whatever we define that to be, but that there's some sort of societal message that if we work harder, then that's how we could prove that we in fact deserve these things that either we have now or that we desire. Exactly. And I'm just, you know, getting into this more, but I'm noticing in myself how much that mentality is much more of a masculine mentality. It's like, you know, I'm going to do more, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to be focused on my list, I'm going to accomplish. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm also really excited about embracing more of like my feminine cyclical flow. And I've been Mm -hmm. aware of that, but I, I definitely will kind of not embrace it, you know, but I'm ready to embrace it. You know, I want, I want to just, just be like, I am a woman. I do things differently, you know, and that's okay. That's perfectly okay. You know, the way that my needs get met are totally different than say, you know, a man, or I just, you know, at this point, I just, when I have needs that I'm aware of, I want to be brave enough to state what they are and get them met. And I don't, I don't want to be living for approval from out there. You know, I want to be living from in here, inside Mm -hmm. of me, you know, and for what feels right. Yeah. And I love that you've said that there's that kind of masculine versus feminine piece to it. Cause it seems like sometimes a masculine energy would say something like, there's a problem, I'll fix it, right? There's always problem resolution. Like, exactly. And it's whatever sometimes, I mean, I don't, I'm speaking from experience, but like, it seems like oftentimes it's, well, let's just take care of it. But it's not the, necessarily always the explanation or the exploration of, but how did we get here? Or what feels natural in the way that we solve it? Like, yeah, that's a very, exactly. it's a very different way of being. Yeah, And it almost, it's almost the being versus doing conundrum. Absolutely. That's exactly right. It seems like some of this work may have led or is is tied to the series of interviews that you've started on your own site about women who give, 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 (laughs) which of course I love and we will link up to because it's powerful stuff. What seems to be your, I don't know, your biggest learning or observation from having spoken to many women so far about the nature of giving? I think as women we are givers, you know, we, it's part of our DNA to provide, to give life, you know, to make food, to, to do all of those basic things. And what I found that's so beautiful in talking to the women that I have is that every single one of us has this innate and very unique way of kind of doing the checks and balances, the way of taking care of ourselves in the midst of making meals for our friends who are sick or driving carpool and working and growing food and all the, all the like myriad of things that we could do, we do that I could never list. We have this innate wisdom of what we personally need to make that all be okay for us. And a lot of us, I think, ignore it or don't even know how to find out what that is. But 
every person has like their own code, you know, like a self code that helps free them. You know, one woman, she kind of gets out her journal and kind of comes back to her, her personal mission statement. And that frees her up to go to kind of find out, is this worth my time? You know, should I keep on with this thing that's stressing me out? Does it match up with my personal mission statement? Another woman, you know, has dance parties in her house because (laughs) that's what feels really good. And another woman is really into tapping and using the emotional freedom technique and has that has like brought her incredible health, you know, so (laughs) each one of us has this. And I think of it as like this secret, you know, special, magical, intuitive voice that helps us know how to balance out our nature as givers with taking care of ourselves. The other thing I'm hearing there is that it really is, it's different for each person. But I think our inclination as people trying to figure out patterns and codes or whatever would be to say, oh, well, maybe if that works for that person, that oh, I should try that next, <laughs> right? Like, right. So what would you suggest to someone who's like, I've tried it all. What? How do I figure out what works for me? Well, I would say a really fun way to figure out about yourself and to know yourself is to actually work with a coach because it's, it it's fun and mm-hmm. you get yeah. so much insight from talking to an unbiased person who just hears what you're saying and, you know, mirrors it back and picks up on little things that you might not even notice. And if that's not an option to you, then you can literally have a coaching session with yourself and just get out a piece of paper and put a question at the top. You know, what is it for me that gives me a true break from all of the giving that I do? And just wait, you know, don't write down the first thing that comes to mind. Wait, because your intuition is not the mind, right? So like the intuition comes from like the gut and the heart. And it takes a minute for it to be like, oh, she's listening. Okay, 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 here I come. <laughs> so wait it out. And, and, and then that answer that seems like it comes, you know, from a little bit deeper than your mind, write that one down. And then whatever you find out from it, I'm sure there will be another question. So write down the next question. So it's like the questions come from the mind and the answers are coming from your gut and your heart and just keep going. You know, it could be pages and pages and pages, but it's just a really amazing way to kind of coach yourself and find and learn about yourself. I, I love that suggestion because it, it is a great way to start to listen to your own intuition about what you need instead of what it seems like. I don't know. I don't want to list people, but like what everybody else is doing, if you will. You know, if, if you, right. it seems like one of those things, like if you find your, investing a lot of time in reading how-tos on other blogs all the time. Like, well, (laughs) this might be a better way to spend the time and really get in tune with what you need instead of it being an external process of what what works for other people. Yeah. Yeah, and another idea I have about that is if you spend a moment thinking back to a time, and it could be like in the last year, just to kind of give you a container to work in, that you just felt all your boxes were checked. You know, you... You were peaceful. You were joyful. You were not thinking about what's next. You were not stressed. You know, so what was happening in that time? And and really go into it. Like what yeah. what about it was meeting your needs? Or if like you're trying to figure out, you know, what exercise is best for you. When in your life did you just feel what did you feel the most healthy as far as exercise? And and think about the details. You know what about it really worked. So for instance, I was working with someone the other day, a client, and she, we were having this conversation and she said, 
she she's always done team sports and she's not doing anything like that right now. And so I said, is a really important part of exercise camaraderie. And she was like, <laughs> yes, but I, of course she, I had never thought of that. And yeah. so then we brainstormed. So how do you bring that into your life now? And so it's like figuring out what you already know, but you might not see yet. And that's totally fine. We all have that. And, and working with that, you know, what you already know, which, what you've already seen in yourself works and then using that to, to keep making what works next. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, a couple of thoughts on that too. Like one of them is that objective other party, meaning if mm-hmm. you can find a coach to work with, that feels like a good fit. It's such a great thing because like you're saying, you're reflecting back something that that person may not have thought of that. It's actually the camaraderie I'm missing perhaps. Exactly. And it's not necessarily the, physical activity and maybe it was for this person obviously I don't I don't know her but but the other really the other interesting thing there is I was calling even just in I guess that's episode 33 about what I was calling birthday moments because I have one I have a recollection of a specific birthday that was like everything was just I would have called it perfect right like it's the right people the right place like we happened to be above the Cal Stadium and Paul McCartney was playing below us like I mean what well, <laughs> How does that magic happen? But I think like what you're saying is like teasing out the bits, like any one of those things, you know, it could just be something that stands alone on its own. But there was something about the, you know, the, the crossroads of them all happening at once that made it really special. But I think if I start to look at what was it was the connection of the people, it was the place, it was something kind of unexpected happening. And I think you could start to build some of it. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to find Paul McCartney playing again anytime <laughs> soon. But like, there's pieces of it that you can reconstruct in your life Absolutely. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. It's a nice way to try and find both the purpose that then I think gets tied sometimes to joy, like or at least contentment. I think they're all exactly. interconnected. What kinds of boundaries have you set up in your own life that allows you to do the work that you do? What kind of self-care have you landed on for yourself that helps Mm -hmm. you kind of nourish your own self in doing work that could be considered demanding kind of from an emotional and spiritual and energetic level? Yes. So I have developed a morning practice that it's a very clear thing. If I don't do it, things start falling apart. <laughs> if I do yeah. it, things are going really good. It just does it for me, you know, and it, it took me, you know, a lot of trial and error to get to it. You know, again, it's, it's figuring out my own code. And yeah. I also, I very much believe in using a tool when it's working for as long as it works. And then when it stops working, finding your next tool and writing that one out. So right now for me, the, the bit of, know my morning practice flow it just works and and literally I can do it in five minutes if that's all I have and I every afternoon I close my computer you know I am like way before it's time to start making dinner and I get outside like Mm. when I go outside in the afternoon and you know I'm always with my son at that time I it doesn't really matter what I do as long as I'm, I'm connecting with nature at that time of the day. It, it just helps my mental health. You know, I eat really amazing food. I drink a lot of water every single day. You know, hang out with my friends and have deep conversations. I get coached and I'm always learning. You know, I'm always reading. I'm always wanting to know more and go deeper. 
Yeah, those all sound those all sound nice to me. <laughs> like those sound very rejuvenating to me too. There is something magical about being outside and like feeling the sun and and feeling connected to the earth and and knowing yeah. that there's there's not something else that's so pressing either in an office if that's where I was working or now like in at my desk like it can all wait and and knowing this thing that I'm doing yeah. for myself is important too. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, part of it for me too, is that I, when I'm with my son, I want to be present mm-hmm. with my son. And so, you know, sometimes I'll have to say, cause he doesn't go to school that much yet. You know, I'll mm-hmm. have to say, well, I am working right now, but then, you know, at some point every day, and I kind of have like that mark in my head, you know, whatever, three o'clock, let's say that I just have to close the computer and walk away. And that's when it's, it's just really fun to, to be outside and connecting. Yeah. It almost feels like it's a hard thing for mothers. It has been a hard thing for me where it's, I don't know if this is the words that everybody would use, but there's that balance between work, obviously, and being a mom. But there's also that thing of us wanting, desperately desiring to connect with our child, especially, I mean, I don't know, because mine's five, but I know when they're little. But then that that draw of, but I have to work, I have to, like, there's all those things that could pull you away from what your really deep desire is to have that connection and that special time with the, with your kiddo. How would you say people could approach that? I mean, cause for me, it was just making it a priority and saying, this is no, this is, if I'm honest with myself, this is really what I want. I want special time each day when it's just him and me and we can talk and I can start mm-hmm. to understand who he is and what he needs. And so he knows I'm here always. I don't know if you have any suggestions of how people get there if they're really battling with that aspect of things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's different in each circumstance depending Mm -hmm. on what our time commitments are, you know? But for me, I don't want my child to only see me behind a computer screen. You know, he doesn't know what I'm doing on there. And I guess there really isn't anything that feels more important you know, besides when I'm actually working with clients, then having authentic connection with him. For me, you know, and just who I am and my values and my ever, you know, my makeup, it, the, the connection that I have, I, I feel like it's something, you know, if I'm growing him as I grow plants, you know, it's something that's going to nurture him the best. That's my view on it is to have somebody who's present. And I don't mean that like I have to play with him and engage with him 24 seven. I don't believe that that's even possible. I think I would go crazy, but I do want to be present and available and not always distracted when we're together. And that's really important to me. And, you know, I think it can be hard because I'm like, I don't actually want to play the game that you want to play because you're poor <laughs> and I'm not. But that's yeah. why going outside together makes it, it, it takes away, like my computer is just not there. You know, right. I don't bring my yeah. phone and we want to do stuff together out there. You know, it's just much easier for us to both feel happy mm-hmm. and in a, in a place of joy. Yeah, I like that. And I like the idea of getting maybe out of your house or out of the living room or wherever it would be tempting to, to either get behind the computer or rely on things in your house, but to just have that genuine interaction of, cause it really is easy to play outside. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's just easier. I don't know. Like there's always a bug to talk about or, or yeah. you know, you both become dragons or whatever it is. Like it's so easy yeah. to be imaginative. Jump on your bikes or yeah. go for a walk or whatever. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. 
What do you think would surprise most people about your work? I think even, you know, some of my best friends don't get how sacred the space that's created on a call is and Mm -hmm. how in that, because of how sacred the space becomes, how deep people go and how, you know, so I, I, a lot of people work with me over over six sessions just to start with and Mm -hmm. how quickly they're just changed, you know, how quickly they start to see things from a different vantage point and just that shift changes their whole lives. Yeah. And I do believe part of it is, is from getting into that sacred space. And, you know, I have a lot of close friends that I talk to and, you know, I will coach them or I will give advice, but when you give the container of that really sacred space, something magical and, you know, not able to be put into words happens. Yeah. And I think unless someone has experienced coaching, even in a single session, it's hard to put into words what it is like, because it's obviously so different. Each person and each coach and each relationship will be so different. But yeah, it's, it is amazing what even that reflection of somebody who is what highly intuitive, but also trained can offer (laughs) as far as a reflection back to someone. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. So is there anything else you would like to bring up about your practice or your your work or uh, things you've got going on before we get to the last two questions? Well, if if people are feeling intrigued and want to know if they might be dealing with being spread too thin or or overwhelm and if they're that overwhelm might be actually trying to tell them something they there's a quiz on my website that they can take that will kind of you know help them answer that question but then also take them into this companion guide that gives a lot of ideas of of where to start if if that is true for you yeah you can just find it at lexicotch.com and it's right there and i'm putting together an eight group program that i'm actually working with a course creator on and it I am so excited about it. I mean, it's it's just going to be, I mean, when I started with her, I was just like, the thing is, it needs to be deep. It needs to be like, you know, totally transformative, like the things that happen with my one-on-one people. And that's, and and she heard that, you know, and and we've really figured out how to do that even in the group setting. And in some ways, I think it will be deeper because of having the group to be that won't be launching until later this summer. And for now, I do have some spots, just a couple, I think, still open in my one-on-one program. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. There is something very, very interesting and transformative that can happen with group work because there is that community that gets built in the bomb there that is kind of it's special in a different way than the one, than one-on-one work, for sure. Exactly. So, awesome. Well, thank you. And we will. I will link up to all those in the show notes as well. Great. So, so if someone listening has a big dream about how they could make a change in the world, what advice would you give to them about bringing their dream into action? I would say courage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I both know this well, courage is feeling the fear and doing it anyway, because having a dream and bringing it into action is scary. And the only way to start is to start with one step. And, you know, I, I used to do this, or I still do this seven minute scientific workout. And it's like an app on my phone. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, seven minutes isn't really that much. But when I've done it all week, I've done it for 49 minutes. And when I've done it all month, I've done it for almost four hours. And so it's that one step, you know, it's like each step adds upon the next. And, 
if you really feel something that's coming to you from your heart, from your intuition, that you feel like you're just being guided to do, there's nothing more rewarding than doing it. And you'll figure out the way. If you're supposed to be doing it, the way will be shown. Yeah, I totally agree. And it is interesting. It may not be a path that you completely expect or that you would have thought if you'd written out a project plan for it. But yes, it will present right. itself. That's, it yeah, does. That's, it just does. It's uncanny. And last, and of course, most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? I would say start with this morning practice. I am fill in the blank. I will fill in the blank. And I am so thankful and grateful for fill in the blank. So if I were doing it, I would say, you know, I am resilient. I will fill this eight week program with ease. I am so thankful and grateful for this opportunity to share today. And just these three simple prompts literally have the power to change your life. It gets you out of negative thinking and into exactly who you really are and who you really want to be. And then when stress comes up, you have these prompts to go to that are right there on the tip of your tongue. Instead, you know, you can switch Mm -hmm. your mind right over to them. It's, It's very amazing. So that would be one. Find a way to surprise somebody else with an act of thoughtfulness. I know that when that happens to me, there's nothing I love more. (laughs) A friend of mine brought over a little thing that she had made me like, and it meant that she had thought of me, you know, and I didn't ask her to. And it felt so amazing. And it made me think, you know, how can I do this? How can I pay this forward? Mm -hmm. And finally ask for something that you need. Mm -hmm. Take that vulnerable step. Be, make yourself vulnerable and ask for something that you need. I really, really, really do, do believe that will jumpstart joy in your life, in in the world, and even in the person's life who you ask for your need, yeah. because they will go, wow, look at that. I can do that too. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yes, thank you so much, Lexi. It's been amazing getting to talk to you and catch up. Thank you so much, Lexi, for joining me this week. And thank you for your vulnerability and for sharing everything that you did with us. Uh, It's been a real joy to have you on the show. If you want to follow along with the show notes, be sure and head over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Lexi, and I'll have all the links and other information there for you to check out. And be sure and sign up for the Finding Balance e-course. It's totally free and it's five weeks long. It'll help you identify the important things that you want to prioritize in your own life. And don't forget that starting May 17th, I will be a part of the multi-passionate must-haves bundle and be highlighting my Jumpstart Your Podcast class. So be sure and be on the lookout. For next week on the podcast, I'm going to switch up the original order that I had given you guys last week, and I'm going to slot in Mai Carls, who is an artist and an author Um, out of Panama. And I can just say, I know this conversation, it's going to be so much fun. Holly Becker will be on closer to the end of the month. And that is just because both Mai and I are in the multi-passionate must-haves bundle. And so I wanted you guys to get a chance to know some of the other great people that are involved with that project. I hope you'll come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.